thanks. Thanks, team. Jeff. You know, over the... Actually, it's been over 15 months I've been uh, trying to figure out whether my run at Freshwater is done. And somebody at the first service said, hey, look, don't wait to tell people. <laughs> tell them right up front because you you're killing me. So yeah, it's not done here. Okay, so we're good. All right. Get that out of the way. Um, but uh, the last 15 months have been quite a journey. When, when my wife and I came out here 15 years ago, uh, September 1st or 2nd, um, back in 2002, the call that we felt from God was come out and, and join this group of people and let's see this, let me watch me turn this church around. And church had been dying for years and, and that was the call, come back and, and we said yes to it and it was a turn the church around and we started to see it grow. And we set out all these goals and had this vision of what this was looking like and, and what God was gonna do early on in that first year. And uh, very clear that we saw God turning us around spiritually and, and that and the fellowship and all that comes with that and, and taking us out of that property, relocating us, building this facility and everything. And so when we got into this building back in May of last year, 2016, I felt like I was done. Like the call was done. Everything that we had, I went back and looked. Everything that we had put down there, God had done, and I'm like, all right, so I'm done. What do I do now? And for the last probably 15 months, I've really been lost. I, I, I just don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. What do, what do I do next? Because uh, it's all done. The call's over. Uh, and so what do I do now? Are you going to give me a new call? Am I done here? Am I leaving? I don't know. Is this, this church is big. It's not the little tiny church it was, and it was so great back then and now it's big and that's great too but it's all different and the pressures and the are different and the challenges are different they're both different and i don't know and it was it was really hard um you ever feel lost in life you ever wonder is this where you got me god <laughs> is this what you want me to be doing First Corinthians chapter 12 says this. He says, but in fact, God has arranged, he's talking about the church, Paul is, he's arranged the parts, the, 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 he's talking about how we're like a body, a physical body, hands, eyes, you know, legs, whatever, heart, ears, and he's put the body in, in these parts together, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And it says that four or five different times in that one chapter. And there is this overarching theme that keeps coming of you are here because God puts you here. I am doing something that you don't even understand and you're part of this and you play this part and this person plays this part and you need each other. And there's something about the calling of God in this. I have called you here. So you and I, as we sit here today, if, if you're new to our church and you're trying to figure out whether you belong or not, this may not apply to you. Hopefully God is pulling you into here, but for those of you who call this church home, you're not here because you chose to be it's God or it works both ways. And that passage is looking at the sovereignty of God and saying, no, actually God brought you here for who you are and what you bring to this church and for who the church is and what the church brings to you. He's called us here. 
And that calling goes even beyond just the four walls. It's a calling that encompasses life, too. He calls us and takes us places into jobs, into contexts. And if you have God's call, you'll do anything. When, the, when you know it's God's call, you'll put up with stuff for years. You'll go through things for decades, 30 or 40 years. Uh, uh, Jeremiah, he was this prophet, and everybody, he really wasn't a popular prophet, really, like, not a popular prophet, and guy was persecuted and beat up and put in a, a cistern, empty cistern, left to die, and, and he wrote at one point, he says, God, I'm ruined. You've called me. I can't escape that call because I love you and I worship you, but your call's killing me, but I'll do it. And he never stopped. He kept going, and it carried him through the demise of Judah and carried off or actually left and fled and he saw it all, but he never left God and following him. Saul encounters God on the road to Damascus and God calls him and changes his name to Paul and Paul ends up living for him and going through all kinds of hardships, famous hardships, but he's just ruined by the call of God because he loves God so much and that call constrains him no matter what happens. You know, the, the 10 guys left all died. You know, the disciples, they all died serving God because they were called. I've seen you, so many of you in context, in jobs where you're miserable and yet God has called you and you know you can't leave. The calling into ministry is no more sacred than the call into your job. They're both sacred. They are. What part of your life isn't worship and sacred? What part of my life isn't worship and sacred, right? It's all sacred. We all get these calls. And some of you may be right here going, this is a hard call, or I'm lost, I don't know what to do, or you know those moments. So I've been in that moment for 15 months trying to figure out, Lord, what do you, what do you want what are you doing? And so back in the spring, the staff and elders, we got together and we started looking at my job description. And I said, maybe it's time to look at it. Well, we, we've never really actually changed my job descriptions in 15 years. It's the same one I came in with. And we all started laughing because I really don't do it anymore because it just says the senior pastor will do everything. And the senior pastor, well, it said it like three or four times. We're all looking at each other like, really? This ministry? Yeah, the senior pastor will do all that. And no, the senior pastor will, it's, it's ridiculous. So we've been working on a different job description. And over the summer, my wife has actually struck up a, a friendship with Gail McDonald, Gordon and Gail McDonald. I don't know if you know him or not. Um, kind of a famous couple within, uh, you know, some leadership context within the Christian community. Uh, really, really godly couple, wise couple. They're in their late 70s. Um, and so she wrote her and said, hey, could we actually spend some time with you guys and hang out um, and just kind of soak in some wisdom from you? And so we actually, they said yes, which I was like, dude, that's like awesome. So we got to hang out with them, drove over to their home and um, and we're, we're working through this question. One of the questions we had was, what, what does it look like to finish well? You know, here we are 
almost at midlife and we're wondering now what does these next years look like these next 10 20 30 40 years and how do you finish well and that started this whole conversation about him speaking into our lives uh, and he said something very profound that was i was just sitting there going oh well that explains it he said you're in a stage of life scott your late 40s starting into early 50s and you're, you're now becoming the older pastor. I'm like, that's such a... Uh, anyway, I'm not old. I'm out, just out of my 30s. Um, so, but he said, you're in this stage, both of you are, where you move from power to wisdom. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And he said, well... Your 30s and 40s are about leadership and acquiring power, getting, being entrusted with power as you prove yourself and you get more and more power as you go along and that's where you've got your greatest strength physically and you're on your game and you're going but you start now into a phase where you've got to start preparing and even transitioning into and away from power and into wisdom where you start to give away power and it's no longer yours. And I'm like, ugh, what does that look like? And that's really what's been going on the last 15 months. And, and it's not a fun phase to go through because it's been not only a time of loss, but it's been a time of grief. I'm, I'm, I'm lost, like I don't know what to do, but I'm also just grieving because I had to give up the worship music aspect. I've done that for my whole ministry career. But I have to give it up. And it's... It's the right thing to do. I had to walk away and, and give and entrust our, our freedom ministry is what we're calling it, but it's the steps to freedom and it's the, the counseling and it's the victory over the darkness and our trauma ministry and all that goes on in terms of the, that heart stuff. I had to give that away. And uh, last year and a half or two years, I had to give away the missions team and, and gave that away. And that was hard because I've been leading that loosely leading that for years. I had to give away the design team, like all the stage stuff. I love doing all that stuff. And, and now a whole team of people does it. And I don't, I don't do that anymore. And what's really hard is when you start giving it away and they start doing it better. <laughs> You're like, well, at least struggle, flounder for a bit, you know? Maybe you lay an egg or two. Oh. It's, it's similar to when Moses, who was the deliverer, had to shift gears into the leader and, and the guys came along and said, you're trying to, you're keeping all the power and all the decisions, you, you gotta give it away. You gotta give it away. And Moses ended up learning how to give it away and, and that's very much that phase where all of a sudden now, those of you in your 40s and 50s, you're looking at this and you're having to make a transition from power to wisdom. I mean, I saw this even over the summer. I mean, Joe and I have vowed we will not talk about how much our bodies ache as we get older. We just won't have those conversations. But I'm not 30, right? I'm not 20 anymore. You know, everything's cost versus benefit at this point in the game. I'm not going to go play soccer because I know I could lose my ankle, it would fall off of me, and, and that's happened before. It's not worth it. Um, 
And so here's what I want to challenge you to, to think through is what stage are you in right now and, and what is God calling you towards? Not even what you're in right now, but what is he calling you towards? So you who are in your teens and your 20s, you are now moving into the greatest time of physical strength. You're at your height and the world is in front of you and you're trying to set the course of career and things like this. And, and some of you are freaked out because you're like, I don't even know what career. You're in high school or college and you're like, ah. And some of you really got it down. You're like, bring it on. And, and have you thought through what you're going to be in your 30s? Where are you going? And, and I think one of the great things that Gordon and Gail talked to us about is to look forward and find people who are godly, who are doing what you feel like God is leading you towards and hang out with them and ask them, how did you get there? What did you do? How did you learn that? Where did you get that? And those of you who are in your 30s into your mid-40s, you're at the peak of physical, mental, the, it, it, it all comes together, right? Where are you going after that? You're in the, the moment of acquiring power, acquiring position, climbing and going, which isn't bad, but where are you going after that? Have you looked down the road to see people who are in their late 40s and 50s and said, hey, how are you doing? How did you do career? How did you do family? How did you do that all while it was growing and expanding? And find four or five people. Get to be friends with them. Understand and learn. Late 40s, 50s, early 60s. Just was talking about that. A movement from power to wisdom. Letting go. Empowering others. That's hard. That's not fun. He said the final stage is somewhere in the mid-60s, I think. Something like that, 70s. It's now becoming 70s just because of uh, life expectancy and just the health of people. But it's a movement. And, and I don't, the word is hard for me to say. And, I, and I, somebody came up to me afterward and said, I think a better word is humility. But he said, it's a movement from wisdom. He says a movement. And he's late 70s. So he's talking about himself from wisdom to irrelevance, meaning that everything starts to pass you by. But I like another word of, of humility where everything's passing you by and you diminish more, but you're choosing to diminish and you realize that and you're starting in this stage of life to understand what it means to be humble in a whole new way. And, and who are those people? Have you ever thought about that? Even in your 50s and 60s, who are the people that are finishing well? They're, they're at the end and they're finishing well those last 10 to 20 years of life and somehow, you look at them and go, how did you survive all this and get to this point? And somewhere in the middle of that is, is this call of God who's leading us and guiding us. And I guess where, where we're coming back to after this sabbatical is we don't feel released. Uh, we talked to the board and the staff and, and everybody at this point, we all seem to be hearing that God is leading us that I would stay on until, you know, I don't know, I get another seven years, got a sabbatical and never say, I don't know, it just seems to work out that way, but 
The call's not released, but it, it's a call that's different this time. And one of the things that really helped was when Gail said, you need to pray for a second calling. It's a new one. It's a fresh calling. Like, okay, if that call hasn't changed, then pray for a new one that will carry you on. And, and it's a different one for me. It, it is one of moving away from power and, and one where I am now leading all those who are the ones over ministries. And they said something. They asked themselves a question. They asked us a question. Do you like the church you've built? I thought, that's a crazy question. They saw their church go from really small up to 3,000 people. And he, they said, at some point, you, you ask yourself, do you like this church you've built? And we kind of looked at each other and went, yeah, we kind of like it still. We like fresh water. And, uh, and we just sense that uh, God is saying, hey, you've got another run here in front of you, and we don't know how long. And so I... I it, it is different. The church is growing, and I can't be in everything like I used to, which really stinks because I like it all, but it's also really cool because I'm seeing people that are leading it, and, and frankly, they're doing things that I never could have done, and they're gifted, and they're called, and it's sweet to see how God is putting it together and I would say the church is healthier than it's ever been, and, and, and I always, coming back, I, I am excited I'm excited about the team that we have in place. And, and I would say the, the full, you know, when I look at the ministry staff team, uh, I look at Sean. Sean's no longer doing ordination and he's no longer doing, you know, administration. And he's just a different guy. Like, I don't know if you've been around Sean or Pastor Sean and you know him, but he's like a different guy. He like skips around now. Well, he kind of, with his broken knee or whatever, he doesn't skip, but. And I couldn't wait to, I mean, I still haven't seen him yet. He's on vacation. I can't wait to get back and just hear him yell, what are you doing? Like, that's Sean. If you're around Sean, you'll hear that at one point. He likes to yell in kind ways. Um, and uh, I, I'm excited to see what Beth is doing and the vision and how we've been able to now, remember how we pulled out Awana and we said, we're not healthy. We can't sustain this. A couple years back and everybody's like, woo. And we were like, woo. And we didn't like that at all. Well, we get to start something now, a midweek ministry for our children because we're now in a place where we're healthy. And it's been Beth's leadership and Monique and, and this church and how people are serving. I'm excited to see what God's gonna do there. I'm excited to see what God's doing with Lynn. Lynn's probably in the best spot he's been in years. He's, he's got a, a ministry assistant. He's got like over 20 leaders serving in the youth ministry. And, and anybody around him can see it. The load's lighter. People are carrying this load in a way that never, we've never seen happen. And it's so cool. And I'm excited to see what God's gonna do through Lynn because there's a lot of similarity between him and me. He's having to give up a lot of power and give it away because this thing's getting so big, he can't do it on his own. And I'm excited to see what God's gonna do. We got our, a great team. Bob Falkenberg is now on staff, and Bob's just, he's a former principal. I just wanna call him the principal. I don't even wanna call him, you know, it's like his title is the principal. So, uh, but he's like, no, 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 everybody hates going to the principal, so you can't call me that. I'm like, but uh, Bob's going to be taking on all our administration, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, every time I see Bob, I just start to cry. It's so beautiful because I'm horrible at administration. Um, and that's just the, the full-time staff. But then you start talking about all these different ministries and how healthy they are from the men's and the women's ministry to the freedom ministry and the missions and the worship. And there's just so much. 
And I just, I guess I want you to know I'm excited about what God's going to be doing here in the coming years. One last thought as we close this is um, Psalm 133 says this, says how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity and praise the Lord. And the we is the people of God. And I, I heard this uh, in a song, um, I don't know how many years ago. We actually used to sing it here. I love this verse. And seven years ago when we went on sabbatical, I'll tell you this much, I did not want to come back after that one. We had just gone through two years of conflict and two years of strife, and I couldn't wait to leave. Go on I'm like, get me out of here. And every, you know, we were all at that point, the leadership and the church was kind of rocked. It was a horrible time. And I was not, I didn't really miss anybody last time at all. I was like, I don't want to go back. That was painful. This time was different. As this sabbatical went on and on, I started to feel more and more like, I miss all my friends. I miss my family. Like, there is something that happens in the body. And this one was harder for me because we're family. Like, we're friends. And there's stories going on that I don't even know about. I come back and I hear, like, Annie Andrews all had this life-threatening crash and nobody ever told me. She's like, well, you were on sabbatical. I'm like, we're family. And she's, oh, I'm fine. You know Annie. Is Annie in this service? I don't know where she is. Is she in this? There she is. Yeah, you're busted for not calling me. Um, but that's us, right? We're family. There's so many stories. I, I, mean, I just look around the room like, how you guys doing? Gee, what's up, dog? It's good to see you, man. It's just what it is. Yeah, right? <sighs> I miss J.D. Duick and the Duicks. I didn't even get to hear them. I love the Duicks. You guys remember J.D.? If you don't know him, he was here back in July. J.D. is one of the most disruptive, irreverent guys I know. And he says all the wrong things that you should actually say. And I'm like, how does he get away with that? I still don't know. I don't even know how he's in ministry. The guy's just, a, he's crazy. He may listen to, the, he may, he's not listening to this. He's not listening to me. I love JD. I like keeping that guy close. But I miss him. I missed him. Brighter, I missed you. Sitting back there in the second to last row. Here's, here's the thought. There is nothing that this world can offer that touches what God does in the church and the family that's here and the fellowship that's here. There's nothing and after this past week of what happened in Richmond and what happened in Barcelona, this world has got nothing that can touch what God does here. Nothing. I'm a sucker for it. I'm a sucker for the stories of forgiveness and the stories of redemption, the stories of love that happen here in the church. And some of you have been here 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, Donna? 60? Longer? 80. 80 years. She's been in this church. And, and there's others of you that have been around. I see the Walters back there. I saw Carl Few in the first service and others that have been around 34. Hey, DeLong's right there. See you, Richard. Um, been around for 30, 40, 50 years. Wally, hey. 
You know when you're there that long, you hurt each other deeply and you grow to love each other deeply and you push through it. And you should hear these people's stories of I was back there, but now I'm here. I was there when, and I'm still here now. And you see the love they have for each other and the respect they have and they've worked through stuff. This fellowship is just, it's amazing, it's brilliant. It's, it's God and his Holy Spirit binds us all together. And if you're new to our church, I am so glad you're here. If you stick this thing out, this church will love you in profound ways. It will. It is gonna love you in brilliant ways. And this church is gonna hurt you. It will. I know it will. It's just gonna stink. There's gonna be people that say things and hurt you and and the brilliance is us living out Christ's forgiveness and love and mercy and redemption and grace and, and doing this over years and you see the richness of it. And that's why I miss you so much. As I have hurt you and some of you have hurt me and but you guys have loved me well and I'm trying to love you well and I just, this church is, is great. Our kids were like, please don't take us to another church. We just want to go to fresh water. No. I mean, Peyton, she can drive, and she's like, I'm not going anymore. I'm just going back to fresh water. Right? I'm a sucker for the church. I am. I am. There's nothing like it. If you aren't in a small group, get in one. They're really awkward sometimes, <laughs> and they're great sometimes, and, and you're going to rub up against people that are broken just like you are, and it'll be awesome. It'll be great. If, you, if that's a little scary, get into a, a women's Bible study. They, we have Bible studies. Men's have Bible studies. Get into class. Start somewhere and just kind of dip your toe in. I don't know where these friendships started. Like I look at some, when did we start becoming friends? It's weird. Like how did that start? When did I start like loving you? When did you start loving, well, I think you love me. When did you start loving me? You know, I just look out there. So many faces. Don't, don't miss what we have here. And I'm not saying we're better than the other church. This is just what God does in the church. There's great churches in town. I'm not saying they're, hear me on that. There's some really solid churches in town. But that's just the miracle of what God does in a local church. It's not that we're better than anybody. It's just that this is what God does. I love it. So what we're going to do here is at the end, um, uh, an easy way to do it is just to, to meet those around you. And uh, if you're new, you're probably sick enough to actually choose that same seat again next week if you come back. And, uh, and you probably will choose that row of somebody sitting in your seat. And you're going to be there forever. Um, and you're probably sitting next to someone who's just as sick as you, who's choosing that same row in that same place. And, and you both are sick. And, and what's even more sick is you probably introduced yourself, some of you, and you've already forgotten your names, and now it's so awkward. You can't, you really can't have a conversation where you say the person's name because you don't know their name, and then you can't ask them the name because that would be, well, that'd be sick because uh, you've forgotten their name. So uh, this is Free Name Sunday, all right? So outside of your own family, um, I'm assuming you remember your family's name. This is Free Name Sunday, so you, if you are around somebody today, don't assume they remember your name. 
just because you've sat next to them here this year and a half or even over at the old building for decades. This is, hi, my name is Sunday, right? So my name is Scott or your name is John, right? So get to know your hood, which is the row in front of you, row in front or back of you, two or three rows, however you define it. But that's your neighborhood. That's where you're going to live. Let's all just admit it and just... And say hi to somebody, all right? So let me pray. Lord, would you send us out? Thank you so much, God, for meeting us. And would you just continue to send us out with, uh, I don't know, the gratitude of how you've blessed us and how you meet us, God. Amen.